it was at this time where I went to my very first ASRI event. I still remember. I want to say it was November of 2007, you know, around there. And it was the annual event. Mm-hmm. The right? anniversary. Yeah. yeah. And I remember walking around and I'm talking to my mentor. I was like, these guys, what's hard money? 18%? Why the heck would anyone pay 18%? And that is, again, a big mistake of my time, right? Like, if I had the, the foresight, like, I could pay 18%, buy a $30,000 home, and rent it out for 600 bucks a month, I'm cash flowing. This is exactly why I got into this business. <laughs> you're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, great state of Arizona. Welcome to another episode of the Azria Show, where I am Marcus Maloney and I have my co-host. Mike Delpree, what's up? And today we have a very special guest, uh, hails from right here in Phoenix, Arizona, like most of our guests, but he is internationally known. Uh, <laughs> he is the man here um, in Arizona. We want to welcome Steve Train to the show. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing good. I'm excited. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. So for those who don't know, or for those who've been under a rock, man, give us your background. What were you doing prior to real estate? Prior to real estate, I did everything that you were told to do, right? You go to school, get good grades, get a good job, and work till you're 55, 60, whatever, and retire. And yep. then you can enjoy life, right? And then we all read that same purple book, yep. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, started buying rental properties. And as I was buying properties, you kind of see the other person, right? I was working with a realtor at the time. It's like, man, these guys' lives are pretty cool, and they seem to you know, pretty relaxed. It's pretty mm-hmm. low stress. There's no deadlines, or at least yep. it seems, and uh, no bosses. And I was like, man, this looks pretty cool. I want to do this too. All right. And so I got distracted, like every other realtor, uh-huh. shiny object syndrome. Like the goal was to buy rental properties, and I got my real estate license. Right. It was just. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, Sounds familiar. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. but yeah, that's what that was. I was an engineer. I got a master's degree in electrical engineering. Um, I was really passionate I actually you know enjoyed school i know it sounds kind of weird mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh but then I, once i worked for a corporation i realized i hate working for a boss so yeah that that yeah. purple book was eye-opening in more ways than one what was it about work that that you made you realize it for me it actually wasn't so bad because i was working like i get in at 9 30 and I was, out, I was out by five okay. you know so it wasn't really having a boss or the structure per se is that when i was in school i got to read these research papers from like the top schools in Illinois, in China, in mm-hmm. Taiwan, like what they're doing in semiconductors. And it's interesting. Like I was learning about, you know, what the Samsung phones stay with like the foldable LED screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like That's I was awesome. learning about that stuff back in 2003. Wow. wow. Right. Uh, USB uh, 3.0, which is what like a lot of uh, devices have now. Yep. I was working on that mm-hmm. in, in back in 2005, 2006. So like that stuff was really cool to learn about. It is. And once you work at a real corporation, you don't get to do any of those things. Right. right. <laughs> you don't get to do anything that you learn about because and I was like challenging them on this. And they basically said, like, if you if we went and did something right that Steve Trang thought of and we put it out on the market and it failed, we just spent six billion dollars on your idea and it went absolutely nowhere. Yeah. OK, well, that makes sense business wise. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I went to school for. I didn't go to school to be a cog in a machine yeah. and with a school to create create and innovate yeah. yeah and so yeah you can you can forget those like unless you have a phd and 15 years experience you're not in the rooms right <laughs> yeah, right 
so that your your visionary came out of you. Yeah, yeah. So it's the process now. Was being held back. Right. So you know, I want. I graduated. I get to you know spread my wings. Like put those wings back in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing right. any of those things. You're not here. You get, you get paid to do this. Yeah, you get right. to go, go here. You know, move some things around the monitor, and you know, just kind of iterate mm-hmm. small, tiny changes. Like it makes a difference, right? But not any difference that. Like, hey, mom, you won't believe what I worked on today. Got it. Gotcha. gotcha. How long did you have? How long did you deal with that feeling before you made uh, the jump? Probably the whole time, right? So three and a half years. Three and a half years okay. before you decided to move on. Yeah. Got it. So once you once you finally decided to move on, how did you make that transition? So the right way probably is to gather intel, do your research, and like whatever you know, make sure you dot your eyes, cross your t's, have yeah. a plan, right? Yeah. I didn't do any, I didn't do any of those things. Okay. So for me, I met that realtor. I was like, hey, you know, like you seem to live an interesting life. What do I have to do to to do what you do? He said, go get your real estate license. I'll teach you everything I know. So this is 2007. I got my real estate license two and a half weeks. It was a lot easier back then than it is today. Okay. So okay. I got my license two and a half weeks. Submitted my two weeks notice at Intel, and I went all in. Wow. Okay. Jump, jumped out there. Really You're at Intel. That's a great job. That great company. Great, great job. Great benefits. Right. Health insurance was awesome. I was getting stock options and all that great stuff. Right. But it doesn't matter. The money doesn't matter if you're not it's fulfilled. Not yeah. Wow. So you just jumped. You know, you know, I think I noticed as a trend, you know, a lot of people, they want their ducks in a row, which is, which is, it can be right. Mm-hmm. But I think that's not having a plan is jumping in sometimes works for people. Well, you know, the thing I've learned is because I'm the crazy person that makes a lot of mistakes. I have failed so many times. The, the things I've learned is that if you screw up, at least now you know where you screwed up and you can yep. fix it. Yeah. Whereas you're sitting there thinking about the things can go wrong. You don't know what's wrong, what's right. Then you're just kind of guessing and you're kind of uh, at a standstill. But by going out there and screwing up, now you know, oh, I was supposed to make a right turn instead of a left turn. And you can back up yep. and go make that right turn. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. That's true. I mean, failures push you towards your success a lot faster. A hundred percent. You know, because you, like you said, you find out where you made those errors and you say, okay, I can go back and I can fix it and get back on track. Right. So, okay. So you met that realtor, got your license. Did you just start selling houses? It's out there, man, doing uh, uh, open houses and stuff. It's easy, right? Yeah. Just get your really license easy. and money. Just- <laughs> yeah, especially in 2007. Yeah. yeah, it was really easy. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I did all the right things. To, well, I didn't do all the right things. I take a step back. I did all the things I, I thought I was supposed to do, right? But here's the thing. When you go from a nine to five to working for yourself, which a lot of people on the show, uh, if they haven't had made that jump yet, they want to make that jump. Man, self-discipline is so yeah. important, having a structure. And so for me, I was just wasting probably the first six months of my career. Like I was getting things done as I was closing escrows, but I didn't know about time management. I didn't know about return on time, return on investment. Is this a time? Is this an income activity, or is this a making me feel good that work today right. activity? And we spend so much time doing things that we think we should be doing, versus the things that actually make us money. The other thing too was no one, because no one ever said like make sure you do these activities. The one of the things that happens a lot, and you and I are kind of talking offline about this, is firefighting. Right, firefighting yeah. feels like an an income activity because if the deal doesn't close, we're not getting paid. But firefighting is an activity that can be done after lunch, Yeah. right? So we can control our day from like 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Then in prospect or do income activities from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. We have the whole afternoon to put out fires because that's when all the crap happens, mm-hmm. right? But we spend our whole day putting out fires where we're not getting new leads, new prospects, new appointments. And we have this yeah. entrepreneurial roller coaster oh, that yeah. we've all experienced. Because yeah. it only take a couple of hours to do those high income generating activities doesn't take a whole lot. I mean, you know, 90 minutes if you're brand new can change your life. 90 minutes a day can change your life in the beginning. 
So someone brand new, what are you think, what are a couple income generating activities you would highly suggest? So first I'll say what are not income activities, okay. right? Yep. For not Great. income there activities is pulling lists, skip trade, right? Getting your website right, mm -hmm. uh, sorting your CRM, which mm -hmm. we used to think is prospecting. A lot of people when it's right. not a prospect is like <laughs> fixing or updating the CRM. So income activities is actually dialing, actually talking to somebody, Talks. right? If there's, a, if there's an activity where I can talk to a person on the other line, for us in this business, that is an income activity. And it doesn't have to be necessarily homeowners, right? It could be uh, talking to realtors for deals. It could be talking to not necessarily your peers, but other people that may be aware of opportunities for us to purchase. Mm -hmm. But it has to be an activity where we're trying to talk to another person. Creating your website, updating your website, updating your CRM, all these things can be done after hours. But most people want to do that first. Yeah. And there was a guy, right? I still remember to this day, like every day as a realtor, I remember every day going into my office, he was working on his website. And so like, we actually made the joke, like we actually called him by his first name, last name.com. I won't say it because it's kind of embarrassing, <laughs> but that was what we referred to him as. as. And um, I checked out that website earlier this year and sparked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, and that's what we tell a lot of people that we work with throughout Azria is focus on those income generating activities. Don't worry about your website. Don't worry about your squeeze page and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. business cards LLCs. and everything like that. Yeah. Just get out there and talk to people. That's the most important activity. Pick yep. up the phone. There's money in the line. Uh, exactly. Old, yeah. So, so what happened as a realtor? Did you have like, was that guy your mentor or? Yeah, he mentored me for uh, a good five years, you know, and he was a great mentor. He, he was who I needed in that point in my career. Got it. Right. I was an engineer, engineer. I was awful at sales. It was exactly the mentor I needed, someone that gave me inspiration and taught me the, the language of sales. Over time, as we get into personal development, right, surrounding ourselves with the right people, mm -hmm. algorithm, right? And so yeah. I moved on. And what was the question again? Like, what was that? Well, yeah, I was just wondering if that person that introduced you to, to be an agent was your mentor yeah, as well. Yeah, so he mentored me for the first five Got years. It. And he was, if it weren't for him, I wouldn't be here. I would not be here today Yep. if it weren't for him inspiring me and, and leading me. Okay. Awesome. So what was that light bulb that switched on where you say, okay, I enjoy being a realtor, but I need passive income or I need to start really doing some deals. The passive income, again, I totally took my eye off the ball, right? Read the purple book. Mm -hmm. And I kind of refer to my first nine years of my career as like the last decade, you know, because okay. I <laughs> truly was taking my eye off the ball. So what, let me, let me, let me stop you right there, Steve. So, so what happened? You took your eye off the ball because what intrigued you? What was the ball first? Yeah. What was, was the ball? That real the estate ball agent? was to buy or the ball was to buy passive real estate. Okay. Right? okay. That was the ball. And what happens is a lot of us get into this business for one capacity or another for time freedom and financial freedom. Like yeah, those are the two most yeah. common things, right? We all get to it for the same reason. And once we get into it, we completely forgot why we got into mm -hmm. it, right? And then we start chasing, we start playing the comparison game. Like, what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? And like, oh, how much you make last month? Oh, I got to make that much last this month, yeah. right? What car are you driving? Oh, I got to drive that car. Market just bought what house? Oh, I got to buy. Like we get into the comparison mm -hmm. game and we completely yeah. forget why we got, we got into it for ourselves. And once we're in it, we're, we're completely distracted by the, mm -hmm. our environment. Yeah. Yep. Great observation. Man. Comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. I always tell people that that is the thief of joy is always looking at the next person, seeing how you stack up to that person and how yeah. you compare. And you so, can't. You can because their their life is their life. Your life is your life. And that's right. what you got to focus on and remember. So you were an agent and your whole identity, your whole ideology was passive income. Mm -hmm. 
What did that agent do? What did you see that took your eye off the ball? Well, I would say there was a lot of struggle, right? I think initially getting in, like this is the time where everyone's getting for owning for the foreclosure. Yeah. So instead of talking about passive income, I'm watching these realtors get divorced. I'm watching all these contractors get divorced. I'm watching big money come in from Utah and New York, buying all these houses cash. I was showing homes in Maryville for $35,000. Mm-hmm. God, I wish I'd go back and buy those properties, you know? <laughs> so I got to witness what the wealthy were doing. And I got to witness, you know, what the, the tragedy of mm-hmm. our times. And it was at this time where I went to my very first ASRI event. I still remember, I want to say it was November of 2007, you know, around there. And it was the annual event. Mm-hmm. The right? anniversary. Yeah. yeah. And I remember walking around and I'm talking to my mentor. I was like, these guys, what's hard money? 18%? Why the heck would anyone <laughs> pay 18%? And that is, again, a big mistake of my time, right? Like if I had the, the foresight, like I could pay 18% by a $30,000 home and rent it out for 600 bucks a month, I'm cash flowing. This no. is exactly Look, why I got into this business. And you, you'll cash flow and recoup your initial investment in like five <laughs> years. I forgot exactly how many years it was. Yeah. I remember going through that in my head. Right, but I didn't because I didn't have the right mindset. I wasn't the person I needed to be yet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just sitting here judging people. And you know something you mentioned earlier, being coachable, it's that I was not a coachable person at that time, right? I came in with these preconceived notions, with these limiting mindset beliefs that got in my way and did not serve me. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you went to Ezria. So, so you, you saw the opportunity. I saw the opportunity completely disregarded. It's like, that's, okay. that's stupid. Why <laughs> would anyone do that? You Man. went back to, back to real estate agent. Yeah. Or, so I went back to realtor. Right. And I would, I would make, you know, my piddly commissions, mm-hmm. you know, selling $50,000 property, $80,000 mm-hmm. properties. I remember like one, in one year I sold four properties, uh, one for 10, five, 17, wow. 19 and like 24. Right. Commissions were not great, <laughs> yeah, right. right? The 10 5, I double ended it, right? So I got both sides. Ooh. But I, I learned, you know, the importance of hustle because this is around the time where I got my REO accounts. Uh, so I was listing properties for the banks, foreclosure properties. Okay. And the way you get the foreclosure deals or the listings is not through the front door, which is what a lot of realtors, you know, you go knock in front of you, go to bankamerica.com, you go to chase.com, right. you go to wellsfargo.com, and you apply to be an REO agent. And no one returns your calls, no one returns your emails, right? You just get an automated email that says, thank you for your interest. Mm-hmm. We'll let you know, right? Don't call me, we'll call right. you. Right. And so for me, it was at this time where I would actually go to the bank conferences, find the asset managers, get them drunk, get them bottle Um, service, talk to the girls, bring it back to the, to roped off section and come home and have listings. So I'm not saying this is the right way to do business. mm -hmm. I'm just saying that's what worked for me. It's a way. (laughs) That's what worked for me. I mean, but sum it up, it was just relationships. It was relationships, talking to people. Yep. Prospecting. So going back into that era of a downturn, as you know, all the talk today, right? So we're at the highest we've ever been unseen this. There's always, everyone has their theory of crash or no crash dip. Not here to say all that. However, when you said Utah, New York, there's a different breed of buyers that come into the market and things, things are going to be handled differently. Mm -hmm. So maybe go into what can someone in the business now prepare how can they prepare for a change or what should they do yeah i appreciate this question because a lot of people talking about what what you should do to get ready right for this Mm -hmm. upcoming thing and and i think there's a couple of different things you should be prepared you know for your cash flow to take a hit you know you should have some reserves Mm -hmm. but this idea that some people are talking about is like liquidating selling everything so you have more cash to play in the next market i think it's unnecessary i think that's extreme Uh, here's the thing right i kind of mentioned before like i'm a collective genius Mm -hmm. it's a mastermind Mm -hmm. of the top wholesalers and flippers in the country got it right and so for a long time, I was the wise old man in our circle of friends, right? Because I've been through one crash. I'm in a room full of guys that have been through three or four crashes. Love it. Yeah. Yep, right. 
And I remember I was talking to a friend in a private conversation. like, I don't know if I want to spend $2 million on the house right now because like, I don't know what's going to happen in the market. I was like, all right, first of all, how much do you make a month? Okay. Like you can afford <laughs> like 20 of these payments a month, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. wow, step one, yep. right? But step two, yeah, today we are not prepared to take advantage of this market. But all those people that are saying the sky is falling mm -hmm. right now, right? We don't have to listen to them today because they could be right. They could be wrong. So we got, you know, two different like fields of people or groups of people, right? Everything's going to be fine. Yep. We got the group of people that the sky is falling, mm -hmm. right? All we can do is just keep running our business player That's game. True. And the moment the sky falls, we start talking to the other group of people, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Because they've got all the money they've been setting aside. Now they're the people we're talking to. It's like, hey, I know you were setting your money aside to buy these properties. Now we're wholesaling deals to you. Now we're flipping deals to you. Now you're funding our deals, right? So I think the issue is not necessarily we need to get ready. It's just we need to be resourceful enough to find the people that are ready for the next market. Good. Love it. Good question. Love Good it. answer. Good question yeah. and answer. I wish I knew the New York and Utah. I, I, I always say uh, China, Australia, and Canada. Man, so I remember growing up, right? So I'm Chinese, mm -hmm. right? I speak Fujian, which is a worthless dialect in the United States, right? It might be useful in parts of New York, mm -hmm. but only if you're selling whole life policies. Besides that, like it's not <laughs> useful in the United States. It's the most common dialect in Southeast Asia, okay. but okay. useless in the United States. And so uh, my dad was like, when I was growing up, like you should learn Mandarin, you should learn Mandarin. I was like, dad, we're in the United States. When am I gonna ever yep. need Mandarin? Well, <laughs> during the downturn, when all the money was coming in from China, that's yeah. when I should have learned. Yeah. That's when I should have known Mandarin because I got dismissed by a lot of you know people from China. They're like, oh, he's just you know a white you know American-born right? American yeah. Chinese. Like he's oh. he's not useful to us, right? So only the the people that spoke Mandarin were the ones that thrived when they're dealing with Chinese. Wow. Yeah. So I completely got dismissed. Like, yeah, you know what? Thank you, but right. no, but again, like we'll call you, right? You know, another thing I heard about China, because, you know, we always say, hey, Californians are, you know, come to, well, they always been coming through Arizona. <laughs> they have. Um, I saw, have I ever become governor, we're building a wall. <laughs> oh, there you go. Stop the California. We support you, Steve. <laughs> no, I guess in China, they're moving to San Francisco, like high income. Mm -hmm. Like they're moving out of China to have a be cheaper mm -hmm. to live in San Francisco, yep. which is driving another way of driving people to Arizona and other states. Yeah. Never knew that. yeah, yeah. It's I thought long... it was just California to Arizona, not yeah. another yeah. outside. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see it in, in San Francisco, Toronto, Vancouver, all these high Very interesting. I mean, New York, right? Manhattan, like mm -hmm. people are parking their money in Manhattan or Chinese or, or Russian or whatever. Amazing, man. That's yeah. great. Boston, too. Good old wow. Boston. So how did you how did you pivot then into how did you refocus? and get yeah. back into the investment space. So it actually got into, I was accidentally flipping houses. So, you know, as a realtor, um, I got into coaching around 2010 and one of our core messages was your home sold guarantee or we'll buy it, right? Okay. And in 2010, market was still kind of interesting, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so there wasn't as much competition. So at that time, doing the your home sold guarantee or we'll buy it, I would show up to people's houses and they're like, we want you to pay cash. Like, no, like we have to list it for 120 days. Like this doesn't work this way. Like mm -hmm. we have to list it for 120 days and if we can't sell it, then I'll buy it. And we have people like, well, I want the cash offer today. You know, I was like, no, like, Marcus, you understand, like, you'll make more money <laughs> if we wait. They're like, no, I want it today. So I started buying houses at 80% of market value at that okay. time. And uh, we were wholetailing before wholetailing was a term. Mm -hmm. And so we wholetailed a few houses. And then it's like, man, this 80% is too much. So kind of go back, Steve, real quick for the novice that don't know what wholetailing is. Oh, yeah. So wholetailing is you buy a deal at wholesale prices, you mm -hmm. close on it, and you do almost nothing before you put it on retail on MLS. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So I was wholesaling. I mean, the most I was doing, some of these I was doing a little bit of carpet and paint, but predominantly it was just good steam clean. Right. Wow. It was just a cleaning. 
right? And I would list it and I'd make 10, 15, 20 K just wholesaling. But then it dawned on me, like we're running out of money. We got lower from 80% to 75%. And we did. And they kept saying yes. So we <laughs> okay. literally ran out of money. We started wholesaling. But as we were getting these deals, we're like, you know, we need to start keeping some of these. Right. So my wife is in my ear. Like, you mm-hmm. need to keep some of these. Like, hi, but we need the revenue. And she's right. like, no, we don't. So uh-huh. we, we we kept a few of those and those have been those have been great. And 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 you know, in less than 10 years, they paid themselves off, right? Like the rent, I did yeah. the math, right? What we yeah. bought it for and the rent over 10 years, they all paid themselves off. So again, I wish. It's amazing. Would have bought more. Wish I would have bought more. <laughs> wish I remembered again why we started, which is I think the hardest thing for a lot of us entrepreneurs. A lot of us as entrepreneurs. It is, and and sometimes I face that same thing. Is because you you know, okay, I want the passive income. I want the passive income. But then it's like, well, somebody's willing to give me thirty grand for this right now today. Mm-hmm. And what do people always say? A bird in the hand is better than two in a bush, or whatever. However mm-hmm. it goes. And you say, all right, well, let's take this now money and don't worry about the later money because the later money. You can always pick it up later and yeah. sometimes you can't. It never does. Yep. Yeah. So like we keep thinking like, oh, I'll just put the money back into the business. I'll get more opportunities. I get more deals. I can do this and that. And we really just need to take down the best deals. Yeah. Right? That, that was a lesson we learned later on. Love it. Yeah. That, yeah. Especially being around, you know, over 10 years now, it's like you start to really feel like you said, having those houses paid off, you start to feel and see the benefits. Yeah. Right. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. Like, like, like I'm even I tell new people, like even if you, emergency pops up and you have a house, that's the real wealth is the equity that you paid down yep. and, and appreciated. You could access that. You can access yeah. that. And that was like one of the greatest things I learned in the past few years is the tax free income mm-hmm. or tax free cash from doing cash out refis. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, like how many the, a lot of the wealth I've created in the last few years is not because of how smart I am. It's just because I own real estate. That's it. There you go, man. That's that's great. And that's that's one of the things that we tell people. So let's take a brief break. When we come back, we'll be back with Steve Train and we'll finish up our conversation. Are your real estate dreams on hold? With work, kids, everything else going on, time is limited. Most days you feel like the world's on your shoulders. You might even say to yourself, if I just had someone to lean on and push me in the right direction, I know things would happen quicker. Well, then you need to check out the Deal Finders Club, a community of investors eager to close more deals, sign more contracts, and just get ahead in life. The DFC provides weekly coaching, thriving online community, and all the education you need to be confident. DFC is your fastest path to closing more deals. To learn more, head over to azdfc.com. That's azdfc.com. All right, guys, we are back with Steve Train here, who hails from here in Arizona. So one of the things I wanted to ask you while we were off air, Steve, is you have a very successful podcast, man. How did that evolve? How did that get started? Where did, why? Yeah, so <laughs> appreciate that. And we were talking about income generating activities earlier, mm-hmm. right? So one of those income generating income generating activities actually back in my old office was door knocking. So uh, we were door knocking all the uh people that are leasing in our building, mm-hmm. see who is, you know, cause they're business owners, right? Yep. Like maybe they have people that need to buy, need to sell, whatever. And while we're door knocking, I met a guy named Vic Heredia and he's another big player in town. At that time, he was just kind of wholesaling a little bit here and there. So we connected and he's like, hey Steve, I got tickets to, I think it's the Edge or Edge by Dean Graziosi. Okay. Okay. So yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I got an extra ticket, you wanna go? I was like, yeah, sure. And it actually went like, the same day that I actually buried my grandmother. So oh, wow. I went from a funeral to this event. And uh, so obviously a different state of mind. Mm-hmm. 
But while I was there, Brandon Burchard was on stage and he mentioned that people want to hear your story. They want to hear your story. Like you got to tell your story. And the whole time I'm thinking, okay, this guy's selling a product, which he was, right? But, you know, he's like, you got to do one of three things. Either you need to start a book, write a book, start a blog, or do a podcast. And I was like, I already wrote a book and that went nowhere, right? I already have a blog. <laughs> no one reads that. Let's start a podcast. See what the heck, yeah. right? And the cool thing about social media or podcasts and stuff like this is that if you fail, no one knows, right? If you put it out there and it doesn't work, it completely blows. Yep. No one knows, mm-hmm. right? So there's no risk. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to do 10 episodes, see where it goes. And man, after a second episode, just completely took off, right? Wow. Episode one was Templeton Walker, who you probably know. Mm-hmm. Episode two was Carlos Reyes and, and Sal Shakir. And I mean, it just took off. Took off. So um, instantaneously. Instantaneously. That's and it was, amazing. but it was, you know, again, like people want to hear your story and, you know, taking action. I mentioned earlier, you yep. know, I jumped in right away. Like I made, like Brandon Burchard spoke on stage on a Saturday. I made an announcement Wednesday after. I'm starting a podcast like Facebook Live. Guys, doing podcast, check out next week. I didn't have a title for the show. I didn't know who the guest was gonna be on the show. I didn't have a format for the show. Just went for it. Made I I bought the domain name, I want to say on Monday, mm-hmm. made the logo on Monday. Templeton agreed on Tuesday and Wednesday was our first episode we went. That that Dean event, I think I was there. Was that over in Scottsdale, like yeah. the Fire Sky or uh it or, was Double Tree Reserve. Double Tree, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I was there, man. I saw that brand. They gave away all his books. Yeah, that was a great event. Man. Yeah. I mean, I just watched That's right? funny. information marketing. That was a big class. You just yeah. watch all those people that walk to the back of the room and spend $2,000 for his product. He's good at what he does, man. He's really good at what he does. <laughs> so, all right. So you just know, once again, you quit your job. You just did it. No mm-hmm. plan, right? So you see, you have to pick up success leads clues, right? So and that's amazing. So Templeton, then Carlos. Mm-hmm. Man, so what do you? What was the? What What do you think it was? Like uh, so that made it just go. So I'm not looking uh, back, you know, this sounds ridiculous, right? So I grew up uh, listening to gangster rap, right? So okay. you know, like I had. Who was your favorite artist? Thugs and Harmony. You know, okay, Cleveland. Cleveland. First of the month, Cash yeah. Flow. I get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, Fifty Cent, right? He was yeah. successful for what? Just calling people out yep. and having them respond, right? That's so he called out Jay Z, Nas, mm-hmm. Ja Rule, whatever. And when they responded, now everyone knows who 50 is. Yep. Right? So I call this the 50 cent model. So what did I do? I reached out to everyone's influential. Hey, you want to come on my yeah, podcast? Yep. They come on the podcast and they're sharing on their storyline. So like my authority was very little when I started. Mm-hmm. After about like eight or nine episodes, I had all this authority, yep. right? Social media, uh, cred- you know, credibility and so on. So that was the, the plan when we started it. Mm-hmm. And thankfully it worked out really it well. Worked. Wow. So in, I'll also say one, you're a great host. Two, you. You, you're doing Facebook Lives. Facebook Live. Do you think that helped in a way? I think it helped a lot because we're like tag tag people, right? Because mm-hmm. this is a time where Facebook Live was it was already up and running. It was already kind of uh, slowing down. They changed their algorithms, but you know, having these guys come on and telling people to tag because this is at a time where there was not a lot of shows going live. Right? Exactly. Because I would hop on and be like, oh, I could ask a question. You'd yeah. answer. You know, that's Every, amazing. Yeah. So yeah. that was. And that was a challenge. I, I I thought like, how can I separate myself from everybody else? All right. Well, we're just gonna go live, and we went live for two reasons. A, we can tag people, right? They can share all these different Facebook groups before you know it became frowned upon, right? Mm-hmm. 2018. Uh, and B, I didn't have to be any good because people are very forgiving of your life. Yeah. True. If I, if I'm doing this recording, I gotta go back. I gotta filter out the ums and ahs. And I just know myself. I'm not the kind of person that will sit down and clean out all the ums and ahs. So we just go live. People are forgiving. They're not going to get upset about it. So I went live for two reasons. Those, those are it. And people like raw footage. They do. Worked. 
So name of your podcast so everyone Real knows. Real Estate Disruptors. Got it, got it. All podcast platforms, only assuming. All, all <laughs> yes. Um, awesome, man. So, so that led, so that led into, like, I want to talk about sales with you. So is there any correlation there before we segue? Like uh, there wasn't really particularly any correlation, but what really happened was around that time we were wholesaling, you know, and one of the reasons why I started the, the wholesaling podcast, cause I want to get better at wholesaling. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so at that time, Pace Morby, who's another guy in town who's mm-hmm. doing really well, I was trying to buy deals from him. He's like, I, I, I can't sell my deals to you. I have a commitment to Jamil and some other guy. I was like, well, I really want your deal. So I kept harassing her. At this time, I'm a broker, right? I own okay. Sunny Homes Realty. I'm a broker. And he's just a my contractor, right? He had a, he had a general contracting mm-hmm. company. So the relationship was broker-contractor, but I want to wholesale, and he's a home investor guy also. Gotcha. So I'm trying to get deals from him, and I keep harassing him. He, he wouldn't send me his deals. Like, Steve, if you're trying to do deals, why don't you just hang out with us uh, home investor guys? It's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, we hang out every Friday. It's like, there's a place where all you guys just hang out every Friday. <laughs> Right. And it goes back to income generating activity. Right. Yeah. So I said, okay, if there's a room where you guys all hang out, I want to be in that room. There's no way I'm not making money being in that room. We have more than one pace. Like, yeah, more than one pace. (laughs) Right. A whole bunch of paces in there. Yeah. And so I find out what it is and with Sandler, which is Sandler sales training. Mm -hmm. Right. And I sign up not wanting sales training, truthfully. I just wanted to be in that room. Be in a room. And the sales trainer was really good at what he does. So okay. I got to meet with him and he trained me and like he, the guy's still really good at what he does. Uh, the difference for us is that ours is specific towards real estate. But yeah, I mean, I learned a lot from him. And what I did personally was I was, I spent two hours on Tuesdays, 90 minutes on Wednesdays, 90 minutes on Fridays. And I'd be in his office, just picking his brain, learning from him for over a year. And thankfully I had a business where everyone else in the office can work right? Get things done, get deals closed while I get to invest in myself. Right. God, so that was, that was the beginning of that. And after I learned that I went to uh, Dallas for we live in 19 mm-hmm. and uh, I shared what I've learned, how it applied to our business. And man, like you, every, you know, guru says like, Oh, I made this course because everyone was asking for it. But legitimately, like everyone was begging me for it. I was like, okay, well, everyone wants it and we'll make it. Right. Make it yeah. Sup- supply and demand, supply it, you know, they, they demanding it. So, why not put it out there? Hundred percent. So that's that's how the sales thing started. I'll share with you. I am probably the worst salesperson you ever met naturally, and so I think that's the reason why mm-hmm. I can teach it better. Is because I was really bad at sales. So so why do you think you're bad? Uh, I was bad because I was an engineer, mm-hmm. right? Analytical. Analytical. And most people that don't have a selling system, a selling process, default to selling how they want to buy. And for me, hmm. I'm the kind of person that wants to do my research. Mm-hmm. I want to compare. I want to go to all the different locations, ask all these sales, salespeople all these questions and install them. Right? right. Think, you know, delay them. It's like, let me call you later. Got right. It. And then I make them bid against each other. Right. Like that's how I was as an engineer. So when someone says I need to think about it, of course you need to think about it. That's what I would do. Right. right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so because I was so bad. I was not get, closing nearly as many deals as I, as I should have. As a matter of fact, like if I was any good at sales, I'd probably be retired by now because I was killing on PPC for the first seven years, right? From 2010, 2011 to 2018, right? Before, I mean, Sean Terry was telling everyone about it the whole time, mm-hmm. but like it got crazy competitive in 2017, right? So like I was paying back in 2010, 2011, I was looking at it, $2 a click, $12 a lead. Oh, wow. Right? I should have retired if I was any good yeah. at sales, but I wasn't. I was awful, so. 
So what made you think you were in, so what, so was it at that in home investors meeting? I know you met the, the sales trainer, did he give like a presentation? No, like, I mean, he was just teach, teaching fundamentals and tidbits here and there, right? Like we're talking about this topic and it's a revolving topic, right? Similar to our style, the difference again, like his is more general based. You need to make your scripts. We made our scripts and mm -hmm. that's what we, that's okay. what we teach. So how'd you know you were bad? Like what, what, what did he do or what happened that night? Oh, that was like, well, <laughs> I probably need to go. This is cool, but you went, you went, you, you took it full on. So yeah, something so happened. I, I would say the biggest thing is um, realizing all those things you screwed up, right? If I said, hey, Mike, you need to get better at sales. You're like, no, like I got it. Right? Yeah, exactly. But if I explain all the things you screwed up and you're like, oh, yeah, no, I do that. Okay, that's a mistake. <laughs> Yeah, I do that too. True. Right. Oh, now, I could close another contract if I just did. Yeah. So yeah. now you start adding in your head all those contracts that you gotcha. lost. Yeah. You're like, oh wow, I actually am not as good as I thought it was. And everyone thinks they're good at sales, right? Everyone thinks they're naturally, especially they might have been told their whole lives. Yeah. You're good at sales. Have you thought about getting into sales? And I see this a lot with extroverts, you know. And unfortunately, extroverts tend to be the worst at sales, but they think they're the best at sales because everyone's told them they should yeah. get into sales. And the reality is, a lot of extroverts are just naturally good at marketing. Right? If you told everyone that you knew every day that you buy houses, you do really well. That's not sales, that's marketing. Right, that's it. That's so true, man. That's especially with, you know, in the beginner stuff that we, we teach and stuff. If, yeah, if you don't have a budget, man, just tell, it, a deal will fall in your lap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just, just say that every day. We just tell everybody. But that's marketing. Yes. That's mm -hmm. not sales. Yeah, oh, right? you still gotta close that. Still close gotta close that it. And so that's the other skill. So now, so now you're, so you had that, you, you dived in. How long were you studying with the, that gentleman? Uh, I mean, I was going three times a week for at least a year and then twice a week for another couple of years. And were you like taking stuff from the training and then jump coming back to the wholesale company or the brokerage and like, it. try this, try that. And, mm -hmm. and were your reps or yourself starting? getting those reps up, finding out what works, what doesn't work. Cause there's how many times have you read a book? It's like, oh man, this is going to kill it. Right. Like, guys, watch out. We're going to rock it with this. And then it completely is like, done. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And other things like you just try it and like, wow, I cannot believe how well that works. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would say it's just constant application and finding what works, what doesn't work for our space. So what do you think is a good. How does an introvert become well at sales or good at sales? Um, well, an introvert just needs to get a little bit outside their comfort zone. And so the introvert naturally listens. Generally, mm -hmm. most introverts tend to listen, listen more well. than they talk. And that's actually a good thing in sales because people don't want to be talked to. They want to be listened to. True. So I think as an introvert, that probably the hardest thing is going to be prospecting. But once you're in a living room, it actually isn't as hard because you listen. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the selling part is now you're going to have to do some things you might be uncomfortable with, you know, pushing people for a yes or a no, not pushing for a yes. That's a big, yep. like, we don't push for yes. Mm -hmm. We push for a yes or a no. That might be something an introvert may be uncomfortable with, but again, you'll win the sale more often than not by being a good listener than being a good pusher. Right. Because I mean, that's, that's, and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, the majority of sales is listening mm -hmm. um, because you're trying to solve a problem and you got to find out, you got to be able to identify that problem before you can come up with a solution. Right. So I've said in, in our trainings that you have not earned the right to prescribe until you learn to diagnose. True. I got to understand what's keeping Marcus up at night. What's he worried about? What are some feelings he's experiencing? What are some things that maybe his wife is telling him that's, you know, like not mm -hmm. going well. And then what's the ideal outcome for you? If in three months, nine months, you're able, or in 30 days, 90 days, you're able to move on from here and 
live in another part of the country, maybe buy an RV, uh, maybe pay off your debts, maybe help your kid go to college, whatever it is. But if I know what's inside your head, right, I've diagnosed, now I can make you an offer that you might be interested in. Let me just come over, hey, what's your offer? And I make you your offer, you're like, get the heck out of my house. Right. Which is typically what happens. Mm -hmm. So how do, how do we get that, what you, what you said, so there's another group, this intro extrovert, and there's that, I don't want to be salesy. Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to be a car salesman, you sure. know? And so how do you get past that? And how do we show all these people how important, you know, sales is to your business? And we overlook that. You know, it's interesting. First, the root word of sales, right, is of Greek origin, which means to serve, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. To sell someone is to serve them, to give them what they need. Uh, second thing is something I just learned very recently. You know, I'm going through some additional training outside of sales, but some leadership training. And if you look at it, a lot of what we do in sales is a lot the same thing we do as leadership, something we do as parenting, something we do as teaching, right? As if I find out what situation you're in and I find out what situation you want to be in, right, the, other, the ideal outcome, yep. then it's my job as a salesperson or as a leader or as a parent or as a teacher mm -hmm. is to get you from one place to Good another, nice. right? And so to sell someone is to basically help them out of a bad situation and it's a better situation. Now, one thing that people say, well, I don't want to be too pushy. I don't want to be manipulative. Mm -hmm. I think the key here is that sales could be used, right, for the wrong mm -hmm. purposes. So you look at intent. You look at, are we manipulating them or are we serving them? If you believe, right, they're in a bad spot yeah. and you believe that you have the right solution for them, then I believe you have an obligation to serve them to by serve. selling them. If you're just taking advantage of people, well, then I think there's a place right for you yeah yeah <laughs> and, and that's one of the key things is like you said with leadership is service you know mm -hmm. as long as you're providing service the people that provide the best service the most service are usually the high income generators and the high income earners because the more people they help the more gratuity that they receive in return so that's what people have to keep that in mind yeah and i think you look at you can do anything life you want if so long as you help enough other people get what yeah. they want and you got the the go-giver, right? I can't remember which principle it is. It was number three, number four, right? But your the law of compensation is your income is directly proportional to the number of people that you serve. True. Right. Yep. So it's just something you gotta remember. And I think yeah, you can go a long ways. You can go all the way with the, just that advice. So what about the people listening that want to like want an actionable item? Like, you know, say there's you know, how to set an appointment on the phone with do you like I'm assuming you prefer phones? You like phone? Face to face better. Uh, we prefer face to face. Okay. We prefer face to face, and the reason why is body language tells so much yeah. of the story. So much, so, and yeah. you can definitely do business virtually. Uh, we coach a lot of people across the country to do it virtually. I think that if you're going to do it virtually, you just have to make a conscious decision. Right? It's a business decision that I am going to close more sales to make it up in volume that I'm going to lose in revenue, right? Because your margin is going to be smaller mm -hmm. and you have more fallout. Right? If I met you face to face, we shake hands, we sign a contract you're more likely to meet me at the closing table. Yep. If I work with Marcus and never meet him face to face, right? But we greet everything over the phone. Yeah, he might show up on closing day, but he might not because mm -hmm. he, I'm There's still no just obligation. a voice on the phone, yep. right? If I, if I talk to you and you don't like what I'm saying on the phone, you're just silent. Face to face, I can see you lean back. I can see you cross your arms. I can see your face make a weird, a weird twitch. Yeah, whatever. It's like, uh oh, mm -hmm. slow down, right. back it up, back up. <laughs> right. Those are things that you miss when you're on the phone. That's so true. And let, yeah, all you got is the voice inflection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you can pick up, but not as much as you can pick up when they're flustered, but you right. can't pick up like, uh oh, because yeah, right. you say the next thing and you don't even know 
where you are. Where you are. Yeah, exactly. Because we do a lot of phone closes. And that's one of the things that we have trouble with is always tell our agents to ask that open ended question and wait for that response. Don't feel comfortable just constantly talking because mm -hmm. you're not getting any feedback. You don't know where you are in that conversation. Yeah. And uh, there's an old saying I, I learned from Kung Fu, right? Mm -hmm. sales. But uh, what my grandmaster says, I can see you, but you can't see me. And the idea is I know exactly where you stand a whole, at this whole time in this conversation, but you don't know exactly where I'm at. All I'm doing is trying to come up with your perfect solution, right? And once we get to the very end, and I can draw this map exactly as you want it, and I can say, hey, Mike, this is what you want? Like, That's exactly what I want. Perfect. Sign the contract, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm just like pit pitching features and benefits and like, here's why we're awesome, by the way, we're number one, or, you know, we pay the most, blah, blah, blah. You ready? Like, I don't, but you don't know what I want. Yeah, exactly. So, so on June 13th, mm -hmm. Monday night, venue 8600 at the Ezria monthly meeting, you're going to join us. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to this. And I think you gave us, a, I mean, these concepts you just went over, I mean, are enough for anyone to get started. Just taking that, just changing your mindset to, to the way you're explaining will, will take you further. So what, what, what can we expect on Monday? So the biggest thing you're going to get is a understand why you're doing may not be working, right? We're not saying it's wrong, but why it may not be as effective as it could be. So that's number one. And then B, we're going to go over exactly what to say at the appointment so that you avoid, I need to think about it, right? Okay. Why, why I need to sleep on it. Let me talk to my realtor. Let me talk to my attorney. We're going to deal with how to deal with that specific objection. Because for me, that was my number one objection, right? Pricing, Pricing is pricing, right? There's, you can negotiate as another skill. But for me, my biggest challenge for most of my career was I need to think about it. And everyone's gotcha. like, you got the grant card down. I was like, well, just push them, right? Mm -hmm. Just get them, just give them the pen, right? Like, just agree whatever yeah, they say. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and that works. Mm -hmm. But man, again, if you push someone hard, will they show up in closing day? We don't know. Yeah, shut down. All right? So the how to overcome I need to think about it without being a pushy salesperson. So do you do you have like scripts like or do you walk in with like pre-planned questions like for all these scenarios? Uh, so those are scripts. So there's it's setting the proper framework for the beginning of the appointment, because, you know, the example I've shared in the past is my kids, you mm -hmm. know, they'll make a mess uh, in, the, in the living room. And my, mom, my my wife was upset one night and I was like, what are you upset about? She's like, I'm tired of how messy the living room is. She's like, well, when was the last time you told them they couldn't do that? She's like, I've never told them that. And I asked her, like, well, how can you possibly yeah, exactly. be upset with them? Well, if you never tell a prospect, it's got to be yes, no, you're not allowed to think about it professionally. And that's what we go over on Monday. If you don't ever tell them that, how can they possibly know they weren't allowed to do that? Does your wife know that you use this example? Oh, she knows all my sales. <laughs> she uses it on me. This example about not talking to the kids. Yeah. That's good, though. You, yeah, it's you great. give them an option. Hey, it's either yes or no. No, I don't think. Yeah. No, I'll think about Just it. Just tell me no. It's all right. Right? Like, you're not going to hurt my feelings. If this doesn't work for you, that's okay. Mm -hmm. And empowering someone to say no, they're more likely to say no. But when you empower them, say no, you'll find out why to no, and you can work with that. Love it. So they'll be some people will be able to walk away with a framework, a framework to, of how to, to say yes, get the prospect with all maximum courtesy, professionalism. Yes, no, you're not allowed to think about it. Rebuttals in some way. Is that uh, did you touch on those? Did you you absolutely could. I mean, I think the Q and A component. Yeah. You know, or we could even do it. like one thing I do is you know stump the trainer. Mm -hmm. Like if there's something that they're running into, right? Or even what's uh, that? Let us know what that is first. Uh, stump the trainer. Basically, you just I'll role play. I'll be the I'll be the buyer. You be the seller. You give me your worst objections. I'll tell you exactly what mm -hmm. I say to overcome. So we could throw you some questions. Throw me some curveballs at the at the event. 
hundred percent. All right, love it. So that's why it's important to be at venue eighty six hundred. What's the date again, Mike? June thirteenth, Monday night. June thirteenth, Monday night. Come and stump the trainer. Yeah, See what you I can like do. that. Hey, if you're listening to this, bring your toughest objections. Let's work it through. Real estate agent, wholesaler, contractor, sales a- or insurance agent. You name it, right? Anyway. Your kids. Your kids bring the kids. Anything. Love it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Anything you want to add, uh, Steve, or tell them? I, I just want to say, you know, it's a pleasure. I've been, I've known you for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we sold you a fiveplex, which one of those we wish we, we wish we kept. Yeah, that's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that was a horror story in itself, but yeah. it works out. But you know, I think that it's, it's an amazing a service you guys offer. You know, Azria. I like I said, I, I first met you guys in two thousand seven, mm-hmm. and I would have just stayed the course and listened to you guys back then. Might be retired by now. Love it. Well, Steve, we don't think you're doing too bad, man. You're providing a service to everyone years as well. Yeah. <laughs> well and to kind of throw it out there for everyone, all our members listening. No, we're going to start working closer with you, Steve. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. like, as you know, we have a lot of foundational programs and trainings and networking to help you build and grow your business, you know, and support your business. And, you know, we want to bring Steve in and do some more higher level education, right. And sales wholesaling, whatever you yeah, provide. Absolutely. I look I look forward to working. And you know, that one of the big things for me is giving back, you know, going back to what we said earlier, Zig Ziglar yeah. and Law of Compensation, Go Giver, like however I can help with the Azure community I am. Yep, love that love that you're here. And we will start seeing Steve a lot more. Awesome. Excited Thank about you. that. Okay. So Arizona, as members, you guys know what to do. Move at the speed of instruction, as another podcaster would say. Come out, meet Steve, come and stump the trainer, meet Mike, meet myself. Come out and just have a wonderful time. So, guys, you know exactly what to do. Always remember to enjoy the journey, and we will see you next week on our next episode. Thanks for listening to The Azria Show with your hosts, Marcus Maloney and Mike Delpreet. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you found this information valuable, head over to azria.org and learn more about our community.